Two sisters, two ways. Hi, I'm Raquel. And I'm Sarita. Parallel Ways is a podcast of sisters sharing insights into their millennial lives. Welcome back to the podcast. We hope that you've had a great weekend and you are energized for this upcoming week. Serpy, can you believe this is our 20th episode? It's so crazy I know. that we've been talking for 20 weeks. I know. I was like, I was going to say, we've been rambling and rambling. So why don't you update everyone about what's going on? What, what have you been up to? Well, work has been consuming my life, but I've been also trying to fit in weddings. I just just in Santa Barbara for a beautiful wedding, and they're one of our close friends, and they had to delay the wedding for the pandemic. And so it was nice to be able to watch them finally tie the knot and celebrate with them. And then I've also been doing some wedding planning. We just did our tasting menu, so I've now picked the entrees. I think the next big hurdle is the dress situation. So just trying to get in tip-top shape so that I can be comfortable doing some dress fittings. Yeah, when is, when is that going to happen? I've explored some bridal salons and I don't really want to have to go in person, but I know I should just to get a feel. So I think in a couple of weeks I'll be Yeah, I definitely something. think that you need to go. It can change a lot from your perception and your perspectives. I know they give you a dress that's not exactly your size and then they kind of clamp you in it and they say, well, we'll get it fitted and looking right. But it's just not going to be like the same thing. Like a Well, they do like a, a fitting after that too. Yeah, but if I'm in a larger dress, there's going to be a lot more material that I'm going to feel. Right. And it's just not going to be exactly like one for one. Yeah, the sensation is not going to feel the same because I was clamped in and what my dress ended up being wasn't the same feeling of when they had like clamped me into the dress. And I think I always had originally wanted to go to Kleinfeld. I wanted to work with Randy to get my dress fitted. Mom always says that, like, we can go to New York (laughs) Yes. What was the filing basement? Is that what she thought? Yeah. So back in the day, and I was telling some of my friends this, but back in the day, there used to be this um, store called Filene's Basement. And what they would do is have like a massive sample sale, maybe once or twice a year. And so you would go into this like basement just full of dresses and you would bring your crew of girls and you would just try to grab as many dresses as possible. And then you'd be tucked in a corner trying them on. And then you would trade with other people once you realized you didn't want that dress. You would get the dresses for like massive discounts. Like designer high end. Dresses. And they used to do, I don't know, some sort of like show or documentary on it every year. So you could see the girls just kind of swarming in and kind of what the process was like. And I was like, I want to do that. Yes. And for those of you that need a visual, there is a Friends episode where yes. they're looking for the dresses. That's exactly what I was thinking of when you were describing it. But I think they did an accurate <laughs> representation of what it's like going to those places. So when we were little, mom would always say, oh, when you guys get married, we'll go to New York, we'll do the sample sale, and we'll get a dress. And because our family is so big, we were like, we have this entourage. So we're going to have this person standing in the corner guarding the dresses, and then the other ones just grab and have this whole system. But Filene's basement <laughs> went out of business. Bankruptcy or went out of business. I don't know how many years ago. So that dream got shattered. And what have you been up to? Well, I recently got back from a two-week trip that was to New York and Iceland. So I'm 
still trying to get my bearings back. And I will say that even though it's like 106 degrees outside, it feels great to me because I was in 50 degree weather, rainy and a ton of wind. Yeah, every time you FaceTimed me and you took me outside, I could just see see your hair like sweeping over your face. And I was like, "Mm, it's windy. Or my whole face is covered because the wind is just, it's like someone's continuously slapping you. And at one point, like the wind was so strong that like I would try to open the door and I couldn't because the wind or try to shut the door. And then because you can't control it, it like I have bruises all over my legs because the door hit me. It was that windy. Yeah, it was that windy. But it was fun and it was relaxing. But just like any vacation, I'm always excited to get back into my routine. So we are going to dive into this week's episode. We figured for our 20th episode, we would talk about our guiding principles and philosophies of how we live our life. And we thought this would be a good conclusion to our season one. So after this episode, we're going to take a little bit of a break to enjoy the summer, regroup, and to come back with a whole season for you in the fall. And so I'm going to have Serpy go first. She's going to talk about the philosophies she lived by in her life and what she finds to be the most important. So here we go. So when I was writing down these principles, I like read them back to myself and I was like, geez, they sound so self-righteous. So <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing because you also feel like I'm super self-righteous. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I read them. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about it and it's going to be different, but these principles aren't going to come to a surprise to anyone. I don't think so at this point. Yeah, hopefully 20 episodes in, you now get a sense of what we're like and that when I say what my principles are, you're, you're going to be like, yes, I understand. So the first one that I thought of is your word is one of the few things that you have control over in this world. So my word is like gold because when I say I'm going to do something, when I say I'm going to be somewhere, I will. And I feel like your word is one of those things that if you say something, you better live up to it because that's something that you can truly manage. I feel like this, we can tie this back to when we talked about a couple of episodes back about being late and how you find that to be so disrespectful. But I think that's why you're always striving to be on time because if you commit something to someone, then you want to follow through and that means a lot to you. Yes, that's definitely a part of it. But I also feel like our generation sometimes is so non-committal. Don't you hate it when you go to a party and you see someone that you haven't seen in a while and they're like, we should hang out. And you're like, yeah, if you want, you have my phone number, make some plans. Like, I hate that general thing of, hey, we should meet up. It's like, no, if you really want to do that, commit to it and say, hey, I would love to get together with you. I'm going to text you next week and let's get together. Right. And then I'll tie this into one of my guiding philosophies and that people make time for the things and the people they really care about or really prioritize. So sometimes, and this is probably where your annoyance is about people saying, oh, we should hang out. And you're like, okay, you have my number, you can do it. But if you were really someone that they wanted to hang out with, they would make the effort. This goes back to what you were saying. And so for me, sometimes I get annoyed when people are like, oh, I don't have time for this or, or they struggle to do something that they want to do. And to me, I read that as, well, you clearly don't really want to do it. Like It's you're, not prioritized. Yeah, you're fully not there or ready or at a place where you can 
prioritize that to really want it. And I feel like sometimes people don't see that. And so you just kind of, I feel bad for them in that regards, because I believe that if you really want something, you would make the time for it. Or if you really want to see someone and build a relationship with someone, you would make the time for it. Yeah, I'm trying to think how else this philosophy pops up in my life. And I feel like sometimes when people struggle to make the time for the things that they truly want, then they're just like very complacent. And they're very like, oh, it's just that's my life and can't really do anything about it. And it's like, well, we have a prioritization problem here. And then people just end up settling. And that's something that I am always very conscious of, of like making sure that I'm not complacent and settling and not living a life that I truly want. But it's more than just that. It's also like when I promise something, I hold that so deeply because it's like a commitment. I guess maybe for me, I just think about the commitment that I am like committed to this. And me saying I am going to spend time with you is a commitment. Me saying I'm going to deliver something is a commitment. I don't know. Maybe I just struggle today with millennials being like noncommittal. Like here's an example. If you're having a party and someone says, yeah, I'll do my best to make it. I'm kind of like, well. You're either going to come or you're not. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I get, I get, I think I get confused. So for me, I think your word is more of like your commitment to it. Right. And it's not just, I guess for you too, it's probably not just the word, but it's also the follow-up, right? Because someone could say, oh yeah, I'm going to come to your party. And then they don't. You got you to match, match the two. Like committing fully is saying you will and, and then actually doing the action. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to think about this principle and why it, it's so deep for me. But I think it, it comes from commitment. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is the stress episode. And in that episode, you mentioned how when you don't do something that you commit to do, you feel like you failed. And so like, that's probably why it hits you really hard. Because if you feel like you failed, then like your, your internal compass is now off centered. And that's probably why there's some probably unhealthy attachment to you and stress and that, that failure. So you think commitment and failure? Yeah. like the underlining yeah. thing yeah. behind it. Because okay. if you don't commit, then you fail. Yes. And that's could... just like the worst thing in the world for you. It really is. It really is. So you were not surprised by that? No, <laughs> not at all. All right. What's one of yours? Principles. One of your so principles. one of my principles is having this inner peace with myself. And I've realized that this is something that has developed over the years. Like if you were to ask me 10 years ago, it wouldn't be something that I would know or recognize. But because I'm so introspective, I can wrestle a lot with words and ideas in my own head. And I've learned that an inner peace is, it just is. Like I don't have to think or question or doubt. It's just, it is. And I know I did everything or everything is just the way that it's supposed to be. You've know. just used a whole bunch of words and you're like sitting on a cloud. Give me an example. I have no idea what you're actually talking about, inner peace. So I actually use like peace in my wedding vows when I was talking about Brian because when I first met him and got to know him and was thinking like, oh yeah, I want, I want to marry him. I had no doubt 
it was kind of like we worked, we spent time together, we enjoyed each other's company. Okay, cut to the chase. We I just want to know what you're together. talking about with That's what piece. I'm talking about. But like if so when it came to the point of like, oh, do you want to marry me or whatever, there were there were no questions or doubt in my mind. Okay, that is like not an example. I, I, I don't know. Inner peace is like you murdered someone years ago and you're trying to find uh, resolve within yourself. Yeah, it is. Resolve within yourself. But Who'd the you thing marry? Is, if you I mean, mur- murder. If you murdered someone, you would never have that resolve. Okay, but I don't get why why that's a principle for you. Like Because I am always like questioning and doubting stuff in my own mind. And so you're I indecisive. know and I know that it's not being indecisive. I think you're cl- what you're describing is closer to being indecisive than finding inner peace. Inner peace is like I've got cancer and I oh need my- to come to some resolve. No, I think you have this like vision in your mind about what peace is. It's like within. It's like I can't even really put it into words. Do I have like inner peace? Feel, definitely not. I mean <laughs> you're combating this so much. And I don't think that you're ever like quiet in your own mind enough. I am re- all the time. Every night before I go to bed, I go, you shut off the day activities and you go to sleep. I feel very, I don't know. when I No, hear- I think you do. You do achieve this inner peace because if there's something that's like bothering you, you're always trying to fix it. If it's not how it should be, you try to fix it, fix it, fix it. Without thinking that sometimes you just need time, time to fix it. But you, it's like, it's not right. I need to fix it. And that's you battling with that peace. And once you come to your resolve and you get fixed it, then you're fine and you can move on. But you're unsettled. And you are always like that. You're like, go, 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 go. go." I'm telling you now. That's you. That's you fighting peace. I I am so calm. All right. What you're talking (laughs) about is a resolve and acceptance. You're saying that I just want to accept things and not battle with it. I have learned to accept things. I'm not talking. It's not an acceptance. I don't know what peace is. I think that you do achieve it and you have it within you. But maybe you just need to quiet that voice in your head. I like reading your principle. Inner peace is your greatest companion. What the hell does that mean? (laughs) I like your example is not even strong. I just think that if you want to live an enlightened life, you have an inner peace within you. All right, we're, we're moving on, folks. I don't, I don't know. You you let us know what you think. This you know, but it's funny. It's like you can't even understand what I'm saying, but it does. Because it's, in, it it's does indecisive and it's not no, cohesive no. and it's not like a coherent thought. <laughs> yes, when you first is. described it, you used so many words but never really described anything. I'll show you what's concrete. One of my principles is don't hold off tomorrow what you can do today. But see, like your principles, like just go to your personality and why you don't understand peace What or what I'm trying to say. I understand peace. I understand. <laughs> just do it. But now this principle is funny because I don't think that I've ever said it to myself. I think everyone has always just given this principle to me. And my family has always told me, you're all about just doing it. Just do it now. Why wait? So this goes in like everything from like everyday errands. Like if I've got to drop off a check at the bank or take out the trash, I'm just going to get up and do it right then. I don't really put things off. If I do, it's usually because I'm avoiding it intentionally, i.e. wedding dress shopping. Definitely so do you see avoiding. how the avoidance or the lack of completing is you not being at peace? Yes, I do see that. <laughs> okay. I do see that. I'm, okay. Now you understand. Yes. So that's probably no surprise for you. 
Yes, that is definitely no surprise. And I remember I was probably the first one that said, gosh, what are you, a Nike commercial? Just do it. Just do it. And the thing is, is like you also like project that or have the expectation for other people to like just do it too. In what regard? It goes back to the whole like time. Like you were like, I need to do something. So I'm going to do it right now because tomorrow is not a guarantee for me. And so you also expect that from other people. So when people aren't meeting you with that same speed, you're like, come on, what's up? (laughs) Okay, okay. I did actually, I can think of a concrete example where I just did that this weekend. So I might have mentioned in a few episodes ago that this summer I'm going to one of those all-inclusive resorts where you do yoga and meditation and relaxation. Where you can find your inner peace. Okay, I'm going to slap you. (laughs) I'm going to slap you. And I'm going to one of these resorts. And one of the things you have to do ahead of time is call the resort and book all of your activities. So you have like a resort credit. So there's some activities that cost money. And then there are some activities that are just complimentary and part of your stay. And so I spent the morning the other day building out my itinerary for these three and a half days that I'm going to be there. And I realized my friend hadn't done it. So right after I called and I booked mine and I added it to the spreadsheet, I called her. And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm golfing. And I'm like, great. And I said, but you need to right away when you get home, go book your activities. And I'm like throwing in this sense of urgency because A, I didn't want her to not be able to get those activities, but also because I needed resolve that she was going to do her thing too, because we were like sharing a room together and I wanted her to have things figured out. So, and I was imposing it on her and I was thinking after I called her, I was like, we still have like a few months. Maybe she doesn't need to do it right away, but did she do it right away? Yeah, she did. (laughs) Yeah, she did. Because she knows what happens if she doesn't, okay? Which is what I said earlier. Yes. So I do do that, which is maybe not a good thing. Yeah. Well, you know, at least you are aware of it now and maybe understand a little bit about how and why you do these things. It all makes sense. Well, it goes back to your guiding philosophy. I already knew it. I already (laughs) knew it. Okay, let's let's jump into another one of yours. So another one of mine is kind of how we started this podcast about finding purpose and passion. And I guess like I've never really been follow your passions type of person, at least growing up. I always felt like I did what I was supposed to do and like didn't have a mind of my own. But now that I've kind of grown into my own, I've realized I'm like, I don't want to do things that I don't enjoy in life. I was really fortunate when I started working and in my career that I really loved my job and I loved the setting that I worked in. And I never knew what it was like to go to work and not enjoy your job. And that's why I stayed for so long. And I remember throughout my 20s, I would have all these friends that would say, oh, I hate my job or I'm just working for a paycheck. And I was like, well, I make half of what you make. And I love going to work every day. And I remember I was like, okay, I know how lucky I am. And I just have to make sure that I always have that moving forward. Now, here we are in my current job. And I don't have that same passion that I did back then. But I still enjoy my job. And I've also learned that the passion can come outside of work. And that's something that we've talked about on the podcast a lot. Like, our careers don't define us and it's not our lives like we can do stuff outside of that and that's one thing that I've also noticed that you have come to the realization of in the last couple of years because you're always so career focused and career driven womp womp what (laughs) you said I've realized that I shouldn't have to do things if I don't want to all our lives I've never liked taking out the trash so I just never did it (laughs) right 
Like, I did that as a teenager. You're just realizing that now, if you don't like to do something, don't do it. Well, look at my personality. Yeah, so you you really need to evolve these principles. These principles are a load of BS. I'll tell you what your principle is. Yours is do what mom and dad expect of you so you don't get yelled at. Wow. That is like your guiding principle. Wow. Be a goody-goody. Wow. Yeah. And, and do, do you hear the resentment in your voice? <laughs> like, you are still so angry. No. So, I'm, to give you a little bit of context, I'm just saying, be right? real. Don't lie to like, people. Oh, find <laughs> inner peace. Pursue your passion. BS. Your guiding principle in life is like, I start sweating if I get yelled at. So, I'm going to do what mom and dad tell me and expect of me. So, uh, you don't tell that in your okay, principles. So, let me give some context. So, when we were teenagers, one of us was more of a, I'll just say in air quotes, a rebel, and the other one was not. And so one of the things that I learned watching my sister and her outlandish behavior <laughs> was to say, okay, well, I'm definitely not going to do that. And, and do what? Do what you did because you got in trouble or you were yelled at or whatever. And so because I did that consistently, she then started to realize, well, no one else is getting in trouble, but I'm getting in trouble. That pissed her off. So the only thing that she had to go by was the fact of like, oh, you just, you, you don't, you just listen to what mom and dad say, oh, you know, because she resented that. And so ever since then, she has like made it her life mission to bring me down, try to make me like not look as great in our parents' <laughs> eyes. And she tries to do everything she can to like elevate her it's status. Sabotage, my God. <laughs> elevate her sabotage. status higher and to do things to show like, hey, I am like the superior slash greater child. But little does she know is that less is more. And so she can do all she wants and I can just sit there. And those perceptions are never going to change. I'm just saying, be real about your principle. Your principle was These do what real. I need to do to not get in trouble in any regard. Work at home no i don't like that frame no, i don't yeah I don't you know like why because it because <laughs> you don't like the way it sounds i'm just telling you what it is okay so, it is, so, what, what it is. so what are you doing translating all of my principles I'm is that saying, what you're doing here peace pursuing passion all these fluffy things they're not real they're oh. not real they are real no, they're, they're like how they are real i like think about i'm and just, like i live my life i'm just telling you another one you should add to that list wow so this is probably something that you have now adopted. Don't let anything stop you from your goals and your dreams, including yourself. Tell me about that. Well, you know, when I want to do something, I go, oh, okay, I envision it, I go research it, and then I do it. You're like you do it right there in that moment. <laughs> Going do. back to guiding philosophy number two. Yes. It's not that I've had like a lot of people doubting me in my life because I probably just didn't listen to them or ignored it. And even when people doubted me, I just still did it. I, just... I think it started off as you perceived people as doubting you. And then as you kind of grown into yourself, you've learned to realize that that's what motivates you. And so you kind of perpetuate that and keep it going. Well, what happens you... is you might doubt yourself in the beginning, but then you start achieving things. And once you achieve more and more, it builds your confidence. And then you think you're just untouchable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you think you know they also say like you know some people say small wins like you get the small wins and then they compound and then you have a big win at the end the same idea no these are big wins at the whole time okay <laughs> okay maybe that should be one of your guiding philosophies go for the big win always 
it's not like I self-actualize this all the time. This is more of just, I think, something that I've learned over time. I don't know. I don't know that I like this principle. I think it's how you live your life. Like if you say you're going to do something, kind of goes, it kind of relates to the first one. When you say you're going to do something, then you go and do it. And you don't make excuses or barriers. So like if you wanted to, let's see, when you wanted to buy your condo, you know, like you did the work to find out how to do that, you know, instead of being like, oh, I want to buy a condo and then not do anything about it. Yeah. I mean, people are always going to talk. People may believe in you. They may not believe in you. But what does it matter in the end? As long as you believe in yourself. I would say this principle is more important to me. Believe in yourself because in the end, the only person you can really count on is yourself. Yeah. That's more of it. I read that and I was like, not to say that I disagree with it, but... You did not write that. I wrote that. No, no, no. No, I didn't say I... (laughs) You just said you wrote it. No, I didn't. What'd you say? You read that? I said not that I... No, I said not that I... Listen to the tapes, Josh. Listen to the tapes. I said, not that I disagree with it, but I don't believe that, you know, you always have to be so self-reliant. Okay. You know where that came from? Where? So I think like my junior year of high school, I was like really struggling. And I had an English class my junior year that I just loved. I loved all the books that we read. One of the themes that we always talked about was autonomy. Govern your own life and endorse your own actions. And I would read these different stories by authors like, self-reliance by emerson or i really love jane eyre by charlotte bronte and it was this these things of like if you believe in yourself you'll be fine in the end and that you yourself can change and dictate your life now i believe that everyone that comes into your life influences it and you're not where you are without other people but when push comes to shove and you want to achieve something i do feel you can't look for other people to raise you up all the time or you can't look for someone else for their approval you've got to look for yourself and say like i can do this and i'm going to do it yeah see like that i agree more with maybe you just have to expound that a little bit more because it comes off as very like i don't need anyone oh no that's not the the case oh okay the case in the end you i know that i'm in a healthy relationship because of the examples that i've seen from mom and dad i know that my career is because of the encouragement I've always had from my friends and my family. I know that. I'm not going to look for like approval, for instance, or someone to reinforce that I'm awesome if right. I want to achieve something. Right. Or let the pressures of like others' perception influence how you feel about, let's say, your relationship. Like yeah. how we talked about in an earlier episode, you were like, oh, everyone's like, when are you going to get married? And I was like, I'm happy and my relationship and that's all that matters and if he's happy then who's to say what is right or what we should or should not do yeah that's kind of what you're talking about yeah but i would say of all the principles that is probably one that has stuck with me at such like an integral time of me like my coming of age it's something that i think has always helped me in the really toughest of times whether it's like going through relationship changes with friendships that has always just helped me yeah okay that i agree with that i like thank you you're welcome. You have now been enlightened. Yeah. This inner peace crap. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. So I did talk about the one about people's time and what they choose to do, prioritizing. Yeah. And then my last one, I found this quote. The great thing in this world is not so much where you stand as in what direction you are moving by Oliver Holmes. And I like this because it's all about progress. And I think sometimes, at least when I was younger, it would be like, oh, well, once I 
hit this marker, then I would be really happy. Or if I achieve this, specifically with like, when I was in college, I saw other people that worked at the university and I was like, oh, I would love to have their job one day. And then I remember one day I woke up and I had their job, but I was already looking at the next person and thinking one day I would love to have so-and-so's job. And then one day I got it. And I realized that it's not just about, I set a goal, I achieve it, and then I'm done. But it's always just like making progress. And over time, you realize that you've actually done stuff in your life. And that's why I feel like I can't be complacent, like you were saying about how... I thought you said, you, like me, and no, I'm like, I ain't complacent. No, how you, said, how you said earlier, like, people might struggle of, like, coming up with goals and, like, things that they want to do in their life. I feel like I'm not one of those people because I'm always thinking about, oh, what can I do next? How can I make myself a better person? How can I learn a new skill set? And I just love the idea of, of progress. And Sophia Bush has a podcast called Work in Progress. And so the whole concept is she bring on these guests that talk about where they are in their lives and what they're working on to become a better person. I just love that concept. How are you not progressing? How does everyone not progress though? I think it's a little bit about how you perceive progression and also in what direction you want to be progressing in. So maybe everyone is progressing, but maybe not in the way that they want. And I've always explained to students in advising that sometimes it's not about what direction you take. It's about orienting yourself in the direction that you want to go in. Okay. And that's where a lot of like discovery happens. Again, you don't know how to use concrete examples, so I will translate. So it's like, I'm making progress in work. I am learning new skills. I am expanding it. But maybe it's not the skills that I really want to be expanded to at work. Maybe I'm getting a skill set in project managing, but I prefer to be a better presenter. Yeah. So that means you're making progress in life, but yeah. it's not the progress that you want. Yeah. So it's understanding what things you want to be improving upon. Yeah. And sometimes that can be really hard. I mean, especially with like the students that I've worked with, it's like hard for them to find that out. And they may not know when they graduate, but as long as you kind of embrace that journey and you make progress, you'll figure it out. And sometimes you figure out what you want to do by figuring out what you don't want to do. I think that ties into my philosophy about finding your purpose and, and, pa and things that you're passionate about. Okay, yours are all... Um, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Are they too, like, fluffy for you? They're not, like, concrete enough? But... Mine's concrete and actionable. <laughs> <laughs> yours are, let me think and meditate for a little while. It's but fine. I think philosophies don't need to be concrete. They're just, like, guides of how you, like, live your life. They don't need to be concrete and actionable. It's not what a philosophy is. Of course. Of course you would say that if yours are not those things. <laughs> You would say they don't need to be. Yeah. So food for thought then. There's a couple of, I guess, well-known guiding principles or thoughts that people often say. And this is one that I always, I always struggle with. So do you think that people should treat you how you want to be treated or how they think you should be treated? I think you should treat people the way that they want to be treated. And you know how they say like the golden rule is you treat people the way that you want to be treated? Yeah. Well, I was in this professional development workshop and they were like, but the platinum rule is to treat people the way that they want to be treated. Yeah. Tell I, me about that. And, and the thing is, I think in order to achieve that, you have to treat people the way that you would want to be treated in the sense of like having decency and respect. But if you are really building a relationship with people whether that's like an intimate relationship or a friendship, 
you have to really know that person and treat them in a way that they want to be treated because that's how you're really going to make like meaningful connection with people because they'll see the light and they'll connect with it and then can really build relationships that way. Okay, so here's a prime real example of what you just described. When I go to Home Goods and I'm just buying my 199 happy birthday cards and I'm at checkout and the lady is trying to have a conversation with me asking me about my day, whose birthday this card is for. She, she has no social awareness that just because she wants to be chatty and she would like to be chatted to, that is not how I want to be. I literally just want to pay for my cards and get out of there. Hmm. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that? As you were telling the story and you were mentioning the lady at the checkout, I thought you were going to say, even though she's asking me all these questions, I should really think about her and her good intent about her <laughs> job and having to check people out for like eight hours that I would engage in conversation with her. And then you decided to do this little plot twist on me. <laughs> yes. So the better part of the natural part of me would do that. And I'd be like, oh, I don't want to talk. Sometimes I have that realization and I'm very friendly. Okay. I don't see that often, but you know, we'll go shopping. I'll see how you engage with uh, the cashier. It's like a very active choice to be able to, to just like think that way and to do, and you know. So why do you struggle with this? Where do you lie and what are your thoughts? No, I agree. I think you should treat people how they want to be treated. So here's another prime example. When I, I love how you say, ask me for my thoughts and when, then you cut <laughs> me off with your ideas. When I say that I want the Lululemon aligned shorts for my birthday, yeah. you actually get them for me. Yes. Right? I did not always though. Yeah. So growing up, I would buy people gifts and I would buy what I think they should have <laughs> or what they need. <laughs> I would make that determination. And I think I got to a certain age and my mom was like, why don't you just give people what they want? And I said, because mom, it's not what I want to give them. And she's like, if you give them what they want, you will make them happy. And I said, ah, oh, <laughs> fine. So I started giving people the things that they want. Oh my gosh, you finally learned that in your late 20s. I've been doing that my whole life. No, I learned that in my <laughs> early 30s, <laughs> not my late 20s. So like yesterday. Yes. And then you realize, ah, it makes you happy to see people happy getting what they want, not what you think they should be giving. Yeah. And then I like you more because you gave me what I want. Yeah. But I didn't want to get them for you. Yeah. So I went to the store and I looked Conclusion, at several pairs of shorts at Lulu. she got me the Lululemon aligned. But shorts. I wanted to get you another pair because I didn't think those would look good on you. Why? I just didn't think they'd be good get for your out, shape. Get out of here. So are you familiar with choice theory? Uh, tell me more. It's this notion that you can only control yourself and you have limited control over others. So when you're in a situation, you have to say, what do I choose to do? And not project it on other people saying, well that lady should have realized that she shouldn't have talked to me at home goods because I don't want to have a conversation when it's I should have a choice I can either be nice or I can not be yes I 100% agree with that I think that's where like the inner peace comes in oh, because if you're always combating like this person should do this and have these expectations you're never gonna find the inner peace with it it, it goes back to the whole you know what I'm really stressed out focus on the things you can control because you can't control the other stuff. And if you can't control the other stuff, but you get stressed over it, then you're never going to be able to manage high levels of stress. Is that the same thing as when people say it is what it is? That's how I like to think of it. I don't know if 
I think sometimes it can also be used in like the complacent way. Like it just is what it is and there's no challenge or thinking more about it. So there's that aspect to it, which I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that either. Yeah. So do you think that, well, actually it's a stupid question because you talked about the whole self-reliance thing. So you agree that you should just only focus on the things you can control. I think you... I think that can be hard for you. You know what? (laughs) Ask a question one more time and then answer it for me. My God. No wonder producer Josh has to do so much editing. I think that when you're in a situation and you're not happy with it, you should make a choice to either change it or accept it. I don't like the idea of just complaining and not getting to a resolution. So take that for what it is. Now, if that does not align to like those four philosophies you (laughs) talked about earlier, I don't know. But that's good because then I know that you're being genuine and you're telling the truth because there's alignment. There's alignment to what you're saying. So it is true. Everything she's saying, folks, it's true. How do you feel about the notion that things happen for a reason or that God only gives you what you can handle? I agree with that. I know. It's probably really touchy for you because of the whole religious aspect to it. No, no, not because of the religious aspect. I don't know that things happen for a reason. I know that people innately find the good in a situation and they become stronger. But I don't know that things happen because that person needed that. I, I don't know that I believe Not that. that you needed it per se, but things happen and people need to find peace about it. You know? Yes. And I, if they have to attribute that to God or a God or something think that that's a bad thing because one of my philosophies is that if you can have that inner peace then you're gonna live a good life yeah but I don't think things happen for a reason I think things happen and people learn how to manage it and they because they figure that out they're better people like if someone gets in an accident and loses their sight what was the reason for that happening I don't see any things happening for a reason. But if that person perseveres and can now get back to a life where they now... But isn't know. that the reason? Because if you persevere, they can get back to a life to live with the challenge and be happy. Yeah, but what was the reason for that initially happening? They needed to be taught how to persevere? Yeah. I mean, no, I think, I think no, you're, no, no, you're no. looking at like the action like sequentially as opposed to like the whole thing about like persevering if that makes sense. I don't know, maybe it just depends on how you look at it. Because like, for me, I think about the whole story about persevering. And so like, you lose your eyesight, so that you can learn that lesson. Versus you're like, that you needed a bad situation, you needed something not so positive to happen to you. So you can learn that. It goes back to the whole idea that sometimes people just need like a a wake-up call sometime. No, but there's no reason that. that person needed to, for that to happen, for them to get to where they are. Mm. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I know. That's bringing something out of you. I do. I do really don't like that thing that things happen for a reason. I think things just happen and people persevere in the end. Yeah, see, it's how you break it up. Like, so I don't think, oh, this happened. I look at it like this, where you look at it in two pieces. I look at it in one. Okay, agree to disagree. No, I mean, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. I oh, mean, I know there's nothing wrong with you, it. You always say that. You're like, I don't like it when people say that. It's true. No, you don't. You really don't. 
Do you believe that one person can truly make a difference? Uh, I don't know. Now that I hear you say it out loud, it sounds a little vague. Like, what kind of difference? Any difference. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Any person can make a difference. To who? For what purpose? You decide. I see. I see what you mean. It does sound a little vague. Yeah. I mean, what were you thinking about when you wrote that? I was thinking, like, one act of kindness can spark someone to take action to do something they wouldn't normally do. Yeah, that think... makes a difference. One person takes action, other people see it, and they start to mimic it and incorporate it in their lives. Yeah. I think just sometimes we feel powerless, like, gosh, there's all this hate in the world, there's this and there's that, and it's like, what can I do to make a difference? I'll give you an example. So I was at this wedding in Santa Barbara a few weekends ago, and – we're in a group and we're gathered and there's someone there that I don't really know very well and that I'd met for the first time at the wedding but I had heard about. He brings up this joke because he had hung out with P a couple of times and it was this idea of like Asian drivers being bad drivers and I can't remember what exactly it was said. After the whole conversation and we were like laughing and joking because I am actually a bad driver which you all know, I thought about the situation and I thought man that was brought up and it was playing into a stereotype. And I didn't catch it in the moment because I was just laughing and telling a different story. But it really irked me later on because I thought, man, I should have stopped it and recognized and be like, what do you mean by that? Why are you singling me out? Was he saying Asian or uh, female Asian? We we're talking about P's new truck and how he's like a bad driver. And he made a joke about it. And then P came after me and was like, but you have dents in your car, which I do. But it was like the two of us didn't know how to navigate that. And I've just been thinking about it. And I'm like, I'm in a group of people and right, Asian hate slash Asian racial, you know, all this stuff is coming right. up right now. And that was like a moment for me to say something and like kind of nip it in the bud. And I, I didn't because I, A, I didn't recognize it. And B, no one else around me in the group did it. And again, it goes back into that whole thing of Asian Americans just trying to normalize and fit in. And sometimes they don't even recognize when it's happening. Yeah. And, I, and yeah. I thought, man, had I said something, because I have a strong voice, I know a lot of people in this group, maybe I could have made a difference in how other people perceive Asians and jokes about generalization and stereotypes. And that's where this question came up. It was just a major failure in my eyes. And so I've thought about it a couple of times, replaying it as to what I would say next time. And so I'll let you know if that ever happens again. I agree it plays into the stereotype. And I also agree that sometimes when people say stuff, you know, they don't have the intention that they really do. But yes, when you look at it from a larger scope, it's perpetuating a stereotype. And as an Asian person, you're basically indirectly telling them it's okay to keep on making jokes like that. Exactly. Right? right. There's a whole bunch of people in this situation and there's other races. No one else brings up anything about that. Why right. is it okay to bring this up? Right. And it's just a huge shift. And so that whole thing about one person can make a difference. If I said something, people would remember that. And I could have done it in a very non-attacking way. And I or to, you know, kill the vibe of the group. Yeah, in a bold way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I read this quote recently that said something about the best value your money has or whatever is the money that you give away. Because your money goes out there, it helps someone else. You may not necessarily see the difference, but it has some sort of impact. And so do I believe that one person can make a difference? It's like, yes, because you put it out there and you never know where that dollar is going to help someone else. Sometimes it's large companies, <laughs> but I think that goes into why I believe that to be true. 
because it, you know like i was saying it's broad but can take it to whatever context you want it to all right folks well that is a wrap on season one we have really enjoyed this season and having these conversations and engaging with all of you definitely keep a lookout on social media we'll definitely have content for you there so don't forget to follow us if you haven't already on instagram at parallel ways and if you haven't given us a five-star review shameless plug definitely do that on apple podcast i don't think you can do it on spotify and yeah we will see you when we come back yeah thank you everyone we really appreciate all of the support it's been a lot of learning as we've gone through this first season but we're really excited to come back with some invigorating content and new topics when we commence with season two toodles, toodles.